0: I had already written myself off. I was in my early 40s. I just was like, this is not going to happen the way I imagined it was going to happen. And I remember really feeling in my heart like a release of this Mm. desire for the relationship, a surrender, if you will. And within 24 hours of that was a message from Andres saying, hey, when we go, I'll take you out on a date. And basically in August of 2021, I flew from Toronto to Chicago. And we haven't been apart since.
1: Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned Podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. Welcome, everyone, to today's episode of the Intuitively Aligned Podcast. Our guest today is Vanessa Valencia. She is a leader in communication strategy, business growth, mindset, product launch strategy, and branding. And Vanessa was born in London, England, and has worked on award-winning campaigns all over the world. She has a passion for working with big ideas and supporting entrepreneurs and their businesses to actually make them happen. Vanessa's corporate career spans 20 years, and she's held senior leadership positions, where she's worked on award-winning creative campaigns for some of the world's largest brands. As a certified trauma-informed master life coach, project manager, and master of business communications, Vanessa has helped hundreds of leaders, coaches, and entrepreneurs to build transformative practices in their business and their personal lives. Vanessa's experienced some incredible results, and she's created a life of freedom to live, work, and travel remotely with her husband, I do want to let our audience know that while the theme of today is really talking about how we cultivate our intuition in different chapters of life and what that looks like and how we access it, we do explore the ups and downs of our lives, including the topic of pregnancy loss. So I just wanted to give you the heads up that that's something we'll be talking about it's one topic among many. Vanessa shares so many wonderful adventures and how she's really created from her intuition a rich and diverse life with many wonderful chapters. Welcome, Vanessa. I'm so excited to have you here today.
0: Thank you. I'm happy to be here with you.
1: I'm wondering if maybe we can just start by you sharing a little bit about what your life has been like over the last two or three years, because you made a very bold and brave career change. And I think that's something that our audience would love to hear about.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's interesting to hear your life distilled into a series of bullet points. What I had asked Sydney, who I consider my intuitive guru, as I went on my own path of getting more connected with my own intuition, even though I have had the experience of working my with my intuition in the past, especially when I was younger. I'm finding as I start to get older, I am really struggling with how to decipher the true voice versus all the shoulds. I knew in my 20s, I want to have a different kind of life. I had graduated with a degree in architecture at the University of Toronto. It was right after the dot-com bust, and getting work in that field was really difficult. We were in a recession, and I just felt like the nine-to-five opportunities that were being offered at that time, It felt very closing in my body. And all I knew at that stage was, I want to be able to travel. I want to have excitement. I didn't really know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to experience how the other half lives, if you will. And so that was an intuitive hit that just drove me to find the Master of Business Communication, which I did in Paris. And I ended up living there. And that led me to start my. Career in PR because the people I met and networked with were in public relations. I was an English speaker in a foreign market, which was an asset. And then that led me to move to London. And that's really what kicked off that career. So it was very clear in that decade. And then I got to my 30s. And the same thing happened. It was okay, well, I don't want to travel like this anymore. My parents at that stage were in their early 60s and they were living in Toronto in Canada. And it felt like okay, I need to be back with, at home. I need to discover who I am in the inside, not the outside. And that kicked off essentially a decade of my own intuitive exploration. And so I went back to Canada and spent the last 10 years, the last nine years living there until two years ago, where again, I had this feeling of this doesn't feel right. I want this, work, this life to work because my parents had chosen to immigrate to Canada and I kept trying to, it was like square peg round hole. And it just didn't feel like where I was supposed to belong, but it was where I was supposed to belong in my head, because that's where my family is. And I had a great career there, too, and opportunities were available. So I then started to explore this other life, and that, for me, led to the life of entrepreneurship. But as you get older, there are a whole bunch of shoulds. And, and for me, those shoulds were like, oh, but I have a mortgage, but my parents are there. My family, I, it should work. This life should work. It just didn't feel right. So I was hoping to explore that with you.
1: I would love to start by asking you, well, how did you navigate it?
0: I'm totally open to, to share, you know, in PR, climb is awesome. The climate is exciting. And probably anyone who's from a creative agency understands this. It's like you're an account executive, then a senior account executive, then a junior account director. Da, 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 da. There's like seven titles between you and the VP. And what essentially happened is I went from intern to the executive vice president position in about nine years or so. And it was awesome. It was exciting. But as soon as I hit that title, I stopped getting excited about the ambition they're like what am i doing what do i have to learn who do i have to become to get to the next level what projects all of that started to disappear because there was no more tension of growth and mm-hmm. that's what really started and triggered my self development journey well what are my values did i even want this role and there's parts of it that were interesting but then i also had to start making decisions that didn't feel like who i wanted to be in the world how i wanted to serve the the work at those levels and at the big agencies didn't align anymore to how I wanted to show up each day. And so that exploration was one thing, but then there was the other side of me going, but what am I going to do if I don't do this? I've done this at that point for about 15 years. I didn't know how to do it in any other way than the way I had experienced it in an agency. And that's what really triggered our meeting was, the exploration of my own intuition, speaking it out, speaking to my girlfriends, like, what would you do? Am am I wrong? Am I being crazy? I think the shoulds around here and around these kind of subjects as well, like, but I have a mortgage. At the time I was single and I felt very trapped, like I have to pay for this. So I need to be in this job that's well paying to cover this. And that was one of the actual single moments that, that kept me small for a very long time.
1: So can you talk to us about how you faced that?
0: Yeah, I guess there's two sides to that conversation. One is in the role that I was in, I had a big team and I love the team. There was a a big egoic journey that I had to go on that I don't have to stay for the team. They will be okay. And, And so there was that story, like, who do I think I am that I have to stay unhappy because I had a responsibility to these people who had their own individual journey So that was a story I had to kind of tell myself as part of my extrication from that world. Mm -hmm. The second was this financial barrier. At the time, being a single woman, having a financial responsibility, in my case, it was a mortgage. I felt I had to stay because I had to pay. And for whatever reason, that was a real block. So about a month after I turned 40, you know, the beginning of a decade does prompt those moments. And I, I sort of sat there and went, why can't I be brave? Because I knew at this point, I was no longer in integrity, being in the position that I was in, because I didn't have the passion for it the way I had a few years prior. And what I actually wrote was, why can't I be brave to have the life that I want to live? Because I knew somewhere inside. And whether you think of it as divine download, or just the focus of a powerful question, that prompted me to essentially write an outline of if I was brave, to leave this job, to live this freedom lifestyle that I had had in my head, this is what I would do. And essentially wrote a series of bullet points out. Those bullet points then became something that I started to play with each day, like step by step. Well, if I was brave today, this is what I would do. If the mortgage was such a barrier, I actually would start to save a bit more money so that I had a runway or I would rent out my apartment, which is what I ended up doing in Toronto so that I could actually have that mortgage covered, but then have mm-hmm. the freedom lifestyle that I wanted. So all of this impossible barrier that I had created was actually just a series of tasks and subtasks that I was able to break down into a different life. What happened with that sub bullet point list was that that became an outline of a journal. And so I started to research what would it look like to share this with others? And I produced a product called the Brave Journal. That product sold, and a large coach and coaching group started to purchase the journal. So I learned about the coaching industry. Like, what is this? And what was happening was 10, 20, 30 copies were being purchased by a small coaching company in the Netherlands. And this is now late 2019. I took a trip to visit them because. They were buying so many. I reached out on LinkedIn to the guy who was on the saying like, hey, I'm glad you love the product. And he and I went back and forth. We got on a couple of Zoom calls, and he was using my product with the C-suite at Shell and other third-party logistics companies. So he invited me to come visit, and I spent a week with him and his business partner watching how they used my journal and that outline of how to be brave with senior executives he was an executive coach. And essentially what that did is it prompted me to come back to Toronto and finally resign from the position I was in. Wow. And it's really seeing people out in the world doing what you want to do, especially with something, but I was still hiding. I was talking about being brave, but I wasn't actually being brave. So again, it was a moment of integrity. I had to get into integrity with what I was saying. And for me, that meant actually leaving the job and actually trying to build that freedom lifestyle.
1: And at that point, had you already rented out your place in Toronto?
0: Yeah. What happened for me was I realized the mortgage, the financial piece was a big barrier. Mm-hmm. So I actually rented out the apartment in August of 2019 and I took the, the plane ride in November of 2019.
1: Perfect. So, so you were no longer bound to it.
0: That's it. It was, the, it was the block. I hadn't left the life that I was living. I was essentially moved in with family and, yeah. and said, okay, I just need to do this to save money. And it was much quicker to do that. And actually, this is a really good point. Cause a lot of people show this very glamorous, I just did it. And I no, I had to save money, which meant moving on to my parents' sofa bed. Yeah. which at 40 and single felt like, oh, I've lost it. I've done the wrong thing. Where did I go wrong in life that I have to do this? When actually It's. It was one of the biggest blessings of the last few years. Was I chose to do that at the time I did, because from a financial perspective, it gave me that cash flow. Because I was still in my corporate job for six months after that before actually leaving. But then the other piece of the blessing is that if you are by yourself. It can be a very lonely experience and having the, if you're available, because this is not available for everybody, but having the ability to move in with family or if it's a friend and have that community that I needed to create for myself, because the journey of entrepreneurship is very lonely. That was one of the biggest blessings. I'll never regret that I had those years with my family and it was tough. I had moved out very early and moved to Europe. So I had, there was a lot of self-development work to go back and face the version of you that is a child who is seen as a child. And so that, that might be a whole other podcast, but that was, you know, a choice that I made for a greater vision at that moment.
1: As it was happening in real time, how were you feeling? So for me, I ended up leaving
0: my corporate job February of 2020. And then of course, the world changed in March of 2020. So at that moment, I was going to go back to the Netherlands. I had a flight for like March 15th or 16th. uh, And I was going to go live that freedom lifestyle. And of course, that flight got canceled. And I found myself having an agreement to live with my parents for six months became two years through that whole experience, especially having been in Canada. And it was a big lockdown that we were in for most of that period. So it, it was both a blessing in that I had I didn't have to worry. My rent was a small amount. I had community. I had people around me, which was really important in that period for me. I w- I feel like my mental health was better because I had that. They were out of the city, so there's more space, and and all of those things contributed to a really privileged experience that I feel I got. But then of course there are the tougher pieces of that. The version of me that left that their home is a completely different human. And they are also different humans. I had to learn to see them as, for who they are imperfect humans. I had to sit with a lot of those inflection points and, and make choices for myself as an adult in that moment. You know, am I doing the kindest thing for myself and for them? How do I want to actually navigate this? So let's fast forward, 2020 happened. And then about mid 2020, I had now left my corporate job The world did what it did, and I continued to sell the journal, and I joined a coaching program to be in community. It was really important for me that I had community outside of just my parents. Through that program, the coach, it was a a large... Very well-known coach in the industry. I joined his program, and he actually purchased the journal. So what ended up happening was that he created a collaboration with me, where this journal was sold to everybody who joined that program. So they they you know they bought the coaching, and then and it, for me it was my first big big client. It it propelled the business, but then he also hired me in because of my background in corporate. It was his company had grown to multi seven figures, and he needed someone who had the operations background that I had so now as a client of mine i was able to really start to build my own profitable company by serving his community and it was it was an awesome co-creation but i was still on my parents sofa bed while this was happening and that continued wow. all the way through to 2021 so one of the people in that community is my future husband and I remember having a moment of thinking, wow, if I could date someone, it would be someone like him. I thought he was cute. He had a really interesting background. He kind of came from corporate, was doing this thing like me in a more self-development space. And we had become friends. Like we talked here and there and on a lot of you know, calls. And I actually, as, a, as part of my role in t- inside the company, hired him in to do a project for us to help us to train and build a curriculum for coaches. So we'd had a kind of formal work relationship. And that project sort of ended. He worked with us from late 2020 to early 2021, but we had a Zoom call every two weeks. You know, this being pandemic times, we kind of only had that connection. And he said to me, why don't we keep it? I really like chatting with you. And I share this because I couldn't imagine that was anything but a friendship because I'm on my parents' sofa bed. (laughs) I'm living in a different country. Like, how could this be anything other than a friendship? And so we kept this call. We actually started, we we did a shift from that very work relationship to this more curiosity about who we are as people. And if anybody is aware, the New York Times has a list of 37 questions to fall in love. Oh, yes. Um, (laughs) And so we actually started asking ourselves those questions on the calls. And I noticed he was... What's me Good morning and good night. And it was like, this is just a nice, really caring character. But again, I'm on my parents' sofa bed and I live in a different country. So, you know, anyway, I then got this intuitive hit after a couple months of these Zoom calls and these questions, we should go on a trip. Which made no sense because if you remember, our border was closed between the U.S. and Canada. At the stage, I wouldn't be able to drive. I could fly if I wanted to meet him in Chicago. Or the company we were working with was based out of Austin, and we knew that there was going to be a big event September of of 2021. So I said to him, "Hey, why don't I come visit you for a couple of days before that trip in Chicago?" And Let's see if this is something real, because in my head, sure, we were friendly, but how could there be anything else without actually physically meeting, right? We had some yeah. funny things where we both go for walks every day by me, by Lake Ontario, him by Lake Michigan. And there'd be things like, he once sent a picture of his feet. i went, like, oh yeah, you have feet because it was his feet in the water. <laughs> like, those <laughs> things you don't know, you don't experience, right? Until you meet. And so there was this moment where I remember walking one day like we just, we need to do a trip. Because that's going to let us know. And basically in August of 2021, I flew from Toronto to Chicago and we haven't been apart since. And it oh was, it made no sense because if you look at it on paper, you would think that would never work. But then the intuition was just, we just keep saying yes every day. Just keep saying yes. Yes. And we, because between the two of us, we have two different European passports. I had lived in Canada. He was in the U.S. We had just decided to travel for a year together before finally settling into Chicago after we got married last year. So yeah. Congratulations. (laughs)
1: Thank you. (laughs) Listening to the story, you know, I think it sounds like you were surprised, but hearing you speak it out, what I notice is that you've built a very solid foundation. The two of you doing your your Zoom meetups every two weeks for a very extended period of time. You know you were diving deep. You were yeah. going through. You were going through the questions to fall in love, whether or not that was explicitly 100%. the intention. So it may not be common for this to happen, but it also doesn't feel surprising to me when you think about all of the energy and presence and connection that the two of you had invested into that relationship
0: hundred percent. In fact, I talked about this with him, where had we had it not been the pandemic, we might have got there eventually, but it would have taken a lot longer because I would have done a weekend trip to Chicago, you know, or and then you get distracted by life where you live, where because it was the pandemic, there was nothing else for us to do but focus on almost although it was a very modern romance, it was very old fashioned because there was a lot of could just time with each other, whether it was these face-to-face Zoom calls or the WhatsApp messages or, and then even letters. He sent me letters a couple times with oh, cards. And so I love it was that. this, yeah, it was, it was an old fashioned quality to it. And my trip to the U.S. happened, it, I did a longer trip than a weekend trip just because, oh, well, I had to get the code, remember the COVID testing, and then the 24 hours. So it extended our time together. And it just gave us the opportunity to create the kind of relationship I think we both wanted. But life would have been more distracting had we had a lot of other things in our social calendar where this just was given a lot of space to flourish quickly.
1: That's beautiful. Can you tell me a little bit about the intuitive hit that you felt when you knew that you needed to take the trip? A couple of times, even sharing your career changes earlier and the life changes you've been through. You've talked about moments of clarity. And I'm wondering whether it came to you the same way or whether you experience your intuition in different ways.
0: That's a interesting question. And I would say it probably changes with each experience. So if, if I feel into my body for when in my early 20s, I felt this closed feeling staying where I was at that moment in the life that I was living at that moment in Toronto. When I think about a couple years ago, meeting my husband, the the trip was it was like almost on a billboard in my head, this word trip just flashed in. (laughs) And there was like a knowing that we should take a trip. And I, I can't say that I've had that feeling very often. But that was just what happened in that moment. I think the other thing about the relationship that I wanted to share with anybody going through this is I had already written myself off. I was in my early 40s. I just was like, this is not going to happen the way I imagined it was going to happen for me. you know. Mm -hmm. So I did not fit into the box that I expected. And so I kind of wrote myself off from being available to it. And there was a day we had gone into several lockdowns, and this was the one in April of 2021. I remember it so distinctly because it was At this point, a lot of the world had been opened and um, I was going for walks every day, like a lot of us were. And on that walk, I remember thinking like, this is my life now. I'm living here with my parents. I can't imagine what it looks like to leave at this stage or even this year. I have a business where I feel I'm actually serving and I'm growing it. And I have my bubble. I had my sister and my niece and my parents. I'm like, this is okay. Maybe I'm not meant to be with someone. And I remember really feeling in my heart, like a release of this mm. desire for the relationship, a surrender, if you will, uh, yes. that this might not be for me. And within 24 hours of that was a message from Andres saying, which was more forward than he had been before. Apparently he'd been dropping hints for months and I didn't pick up <laughs> any of them. But that was the first one I saw where, you know, we had, we'd been talking about going to Austin for this big co- corporate event for the company we were working with. And he'd said, Hey, when we go, I'll take you out on a date and you can wear that lovely dress. I'd got some photos done for my business and it was like, Oh, maybe you're more interested in me. And it was, it literally <laughs> took that surrender. I I feel that that surrender moment within myself was what opened yes. me up to the
1: possibility. Let's pause there for a second, just to talk about surrender, because I think Often when people think of the word surrender, they think of giving up. And to me, and what I'm hearing from you, when I think of the word surrender, it's actually setting something free. Maybe I've been feeling like I want something too badly, or there's a reaching for something, as opposed to when we surrender, intentionally just being, intentionally holding that space of, gratitude for all that is and in my practice I certainly hold my gratitude for all that is and I hold gratitude for the infinite possibilities and miracles beyond my wildest imagination but I do so in a way that's non-specific.
0: Yeah I would say for me yes that's true and I would add trust. Yes. It was really like trust I'm doing what I meant to and I I don't have to do anything else I always feel like I'm running some to-do list in the back of my head and that was one of those few moments where it's I trust that I can't do anything else around this and whatever I've done is fine and I've it's not like I let go that I want to find that big love but I I couldn't at that moment do anything else for it to show up because life circumstances made it impossible And yet in the impossible is when the possible becomes, you know, a reality.
1: Well, I think that's probably one of the most beautiful examples of surrender that I've heard that those changes can happen so quickly when we allow ourselves to have trust, Mm -hmm. when we allow ourselves to embrace the place that we are in. You had made so many changes and brought a lot of key pieces into alignment for yourself. So you weren't in a bad situation. But I think for anyone listening who's been, you know, really, really wanting something, I think that your example is very, a very inspiring reminder of just how quickly things can also open up when we really embrace and celebrate exactly where we are in the present moment.
0: And I think what you just said is really key. And I remember reading a whole bunch of stuff about surrender and just being irritated, like I know surrender, you know, not actually <laughs> understanding that there was this moment of it. It was it's a felt experience. It, it's very hard to describe. And and I almost I don't want to say that because it makes. It like it's something unattainable. And I, I share this because I'm going through another process right now. And I n- mm-hmm. got married. And we chose because of my husband's business to move to Chicago, which triggered me having to close down my profitable business in Canada, changing my name. And again, I'm going through this new transformation of who mm-hmm. am I outside of who I thought I was. I, you know, done this big risk and created this life, which I've given up again for another life, which also for anyone who's familiar with the green card process means I'm not able to work until I have a social security status in the the US and the number to come through. And what's interesting about this is I have to surrender again. And I am playing with, but I was able to do it two years ago. Why can't I do it now? So I've been playing with this idea again of, okay, what does it feel like to truly trust? All of my needs are met. I'm very blessed that I have savings and I've been put in this marketplace for a specific reason in this community. So I have to trust that without understanding it. So it's, it's not an easy lesson. And I share that for anyone who's navigating an aspect of surrender, because I get it. And I wouldn't say to you, oh, just let go and trust and it'll be fine. It is hard. It's a hard lesson yeah. to, to navigate.
1: Yeah, definitely. Part of life, At least the way I've experienced it is you go through one round of surrender and then something opens up and you, you know, you can ride that process of creation or joy or whatever's happening. And then, you know, we move into a deeper layer of the onion where for me, whatever I thought that I've sorted out within myself will then be shown to me again through a different lens in a different circumstance, and I'm invited to then surrender again and hold that faith. I feel like you've been through this, and you know what your process is, and each time you've navigated things a little bit differently, and maybe the surrender is a little bit different when you leave Europe and move back to Canada, or when you rent out your place and move into your parents' place. Each time it's a different kind of a process and yet you've experienced it so many times with such grace and such a solid trusting mindset. I'm curious to know what, if anything, you've drawn from your own experiences where you're having to surrender again. Yeah, well,
0: I feel very blessed because I have the ear of Sydney. It's (laughs) it's a lifeline for me navigating Being this journey over the last six months, seven months now, I moved to the US because we chose to get married. Then we found out that I was expecting, which was not something I had ever imagined myself as a mom. And I was 44 the day that I found out. So it triggered a I've got to give up my business. I'm living in a foreign country away from family and having to navigate a new healthcare system. And then I found out two months after that, that I had had a loss of the pregnancy, which is another emotional thing. Mm -hmm. So I share this context because part of this journey for me, surrender was easier. I felt when I had a job to go to, or I traveled for school or I had community. And so what's been interesting about this last six, seven months for me is I've been navigating it more alone and mm-hmm. yes, I'm older and I have just more experience. Like I know it's a cycle. I know this is a phase and a season. My mind knows that, but my heart doesn't. And even having to take on or just think about who would I be as a mom? Who am I when I'm not working? Because I've worked since I was 14 years old. So having to learn <laughs> that part, it's why I started seeking guidance from you, uh, Sid, is that you understand from your own intuitive journey, how to approach these kind of subjects, the journey into motherhood, the journey to transition from being a career oriented woman into a mother and how those two things can live both within the same person. And I've always approached everything very much from, from a cerebral perspective. It's okay. Well, these are the things I need to do. And I'll take actions like the brave journals, literally that I do these things. There's a moment in your life that doesn't work you do need to bring the body in in some capacity. And I'm still very much learning that. How do I bring in my heart as part of the decision earlier on? It gets there eventually. And so how do you listen inside your body for where your intuition wants to guide you? How do you trust?
1: I mean, I think it's a beautiful question. And I feel very humbled that (laughs) that you're asking me because I don't have the answers. I can just share my own experience and I teach from my own experience and, you know, around the subject of loss, we could probably do a whole episode just talking about loss and being confronted with motherhood and liminal space in the journey of motherhood. I think there's a lot there. So I will also just share that I have had a pregnancy loss between my two kids And so, you know, when you think of the journey of motherhood, for me, the journey of motherhood begins when you want to become a mother or when it happens, like you become pregnant, whether or not that was what you wanted. All of this is a part of our journeys and our experiences of motherhood. And whether a woman has a desire that's in her heart, that's an ache to be a mother and doesn't physically experience it she is still on a motherhood journey and the mother like you who maybe didn't think you were planning to become a mother and then you experienced a pregnancy and it put you on that path and suddenly a whole new universe of possibility is opened and then closes and is still open at the same time and I just think that there's so much in that and so in our culture when we say I'm so sorry for your loss, which I think is something that is important to say, it also feels really, really limiting and really surface because in reality, nobody has any idea what another human's loss looks or feels like or what that possibility might have been. And I want to start from that place because I'm grateful that we're talking about this. And I think that the the way of connecting with our intuition changes in the landscape of the possibilities of parenthood. Mm-hmm. So I will try to try to answer your question a little bit and we can talk a bit about you in, in rediscovering your intuition now with everything being as it is. And I really wanted to acknowledge that. And I think what I discovered is that Over the last three years, I've met more women who have had pregnancy losses than have had children. And yet, so often, all we talk about is either the yearning or the actual pregnancy and birthing and parenting and Mm -hmm. sleeplessness and what have you. So, I do think it's a special space to be in to kind of chew on this possibility and the suffering that comes with it.
0: Yeah. And I would say, The loss, there is the physical loss in in a pregnancy, but there's also the aspect of it that you're not able to talk about it, especially if it was prior to the three months where traditionally we share. So I share that because even for those in your audience who are not on that journey, another aspect of this for me was living in a new country, which meant that I didn't have the people around me to communicate with or the, the community of friends that I'm still in the process of building in this in this new city that I call home. And there's m- these moments in life where we have to take on new hats, like I am no longer a career woman, or I am an entrepreneur, or I am a mother, or now I'm not a mother. And it's I think that's more universal than maybe even the motherhood journey with How do you navigate that with grace and how do you allow yourself the trust that you still want certain things or a certain goal that you have, but then also just acknowledging the present fact that it's not here Mm -hmm. and how can intuition help with that?
1: So I think sometimes even when we feel grace or, you know, like I'm obsessed with intention setting and it's my fundamental practice that I do in my everyday life moment to moment, day to day, holding the intention that my best and highest good and my family's best and highest good is served with ease, grace, and love, plus plus, add what you will. Mm -hmm. Even coming into this podcast, I was holding the intention that this serves all of our and anyone tuning in's best and highest good across time and space for people listening. And grace is a key piece of my intentions. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I've been confronted with is that even when we intend for grace and hold that virtue in our highest self, human life can be really messy. And I really believe that it's allowing ourselves to feel the full spectrum of emotions, to go through our grieving, our raging, our aimless numbness, whatever it might be. I know when I went through my loss, I felt like people were so worried about me. And then suddenly I was in this weird space of feeling like I was holding space for people who were worrying about me. And I wasn't having the reaction that I thought they thought I should have because I had a lot of hidden grief and I sort of felt numb and okay a lot of the time. And then I would be alone rocking my son at night, just crying. And I'm not saying this to be a downer. <laughs> I'm saying it because I think our emotions just show up how they will. And so when we want to talk about our intuition, I mean, one thing I will say is that when our earthly human selves go through difficult experiences, sometimes intuition can feel further away. Yes. And the way that I've received this teaching is that it's because we need to be physically present with whatever is happening and it doesn't mean that our intuition is gone or if you're somebody who believes in a non-physical support system whether that's angels or spirit guides or god or the energy of all that is or whatever you know whatever you believe in it's not that that energy isn't there but because we are steeped in our human experience it feels less available to us. What I find just really, really simply is that part of moving through emotions, whether it's something that's a profound loss or whether it's just the ups and downs of everyday life, is that there are a few things that can be very, very helpful no matter what. So for me, and this is helpful in terms of our physical, mental, emotional health, And our brain functioning, but also helpful in terms of our intuitive connection as well. The first one is just having time in nature. And I think you referenced this talking about, you know, going, trying to go for a walk every day, no matter what. I really believe in the power of changing our environment, finding whatever piece of nature is available to you, whether it's a park or trees or water or mountains. And allowing yourself to be with whatever you're going through, and this practice is really important to me, is because no matter what's happening, if we're able to be outside, and if we're able to be moving, it allows us more degrees of grounding in our life. Even if we're not feeling, you know, energetic or spiritually open, if we're having a bad day or a bad month or a really rough time, being outside does something for our bodies, hearts, minds, and our spirits?
0: Well, I think it's very valid advice. I know I'm a different person when I don't walk every day. And, you know, I did not walk yesterday. And I can feel different in my body than when I typically go out. And And, and it, it is. it is, it's definitely the other practice that I'd love your take on is just, it's okay that today I don't feel like going out. And maybe the best thing for me is just to be nice to myself versus like the list of five things I'm supposed to do. And I guess that's the push and pull, right? Yes, there are these things we can do. And and sometimes actually the best thing to do is nothing. And we yeah. live in a culture that tells us that nothing is bad, not doing anything, like not working is terrible. And And I had to kind of I know for me, I've had to explore that. It doesn't mean that I don't have to work. What I ended up doing last year is serving a bunch of people for free and people who wouldn't have been able to afford my services in the business that I was running. And that was the thing that got me out of bed and washing my face and getting on a Zoom call. And that just happened because that was a need and based on the circumstances at the time. But Mm -hmm. I actually think that might be an intuitive practice, too, of when you are feeling down, the best thing you can do is serve another.
1: I agree a thousand percent. And of course, it has to feel available to you. Mm -hmm. And it was. And then in feeling it's available and doing it, the energy that you co-create with the person you're working with can be mutually uplifting. And I do think energy is very reciprocal. Mm -hmm. And I think that is actually a practice that our society doesn't necessarily feel like something people talk about all the time. There's such a grind around work, and we've become so individualistic, focusing on our families or ourselves or our primary relationships, and yet reaching out to somebody else, whether it's offering your services pro bono, whether it's connecting with a neighbor or checking in on someone or whatever the case may be, I think that that is Really good advice, and it does serve our intuition. But the way that it serves our intuition, in my view, is that it's putting us into our higher self. Mm, So, if we're feeling a little bit stuck or down, to actually move into the frequency of service is uplifting. And often, when we're in a bit of a more uplifted place, Our imagination is more available to us. Our creativity is more available. And that can open up that sense of connection to something greater or to our own more subtle senses.
0: Yeah, that completely makes sense. And yeah, it's more like a curiosity that I noticed I felt better when that was happening. And it helped me to really to heal and to move on. That the nature walk. And then, you know, part of those two things are just being present.
1: Yes. And I think part of what we're talking about is what do we do when it's hard to be present? What do we do when we're feeling uncomfortable or stuck or in an emotion like grief or anger or loneliness, you know? And so that's, I think, we're getting outside, we're connecting with other people, just instantly lifts our frequency through that experience of having our interconnection shown to us. One other thing, though, that I just want to mention is that I really do believe that our intuition changes over time. We change as people over time. And the same way that you don't lose parts of yourself, but you may expand into a different person or you may pick and embrace new visions or intentions for your life, intuition can work very similarly. And so there's two two thoughts that I have on that topic. One is that, of course, we can use our intentionality to call in our intuition. And so my recommendation for everybody is that we start the day with a practice of intention setting that's framed as gratitudes. So Mm -hmm. I give thanks to the energy of all that is for serving my best and highest good with ease, grace, and love then I can add in other intentions for the day. I'm giving thanks that anybody who listens or tunes in will receive exactly what they need from this recording and so on and so forth. I find holding gratitude puts us in a place of greater ease, clarity, and and awareness to then act in alignment with our desires. And that's just something I've noticed. I think there might be research out there, but I haven't dug in too deeply. So one piece of rediscovering our intuition after a time of transition or loss or whatever the case may be is getting anchored back into those daily intentions and gratitudes Mm -hmm. but the other piece is that sometimes I think our our inner world so I'm going to call it our inner voice but it could be your mind or your heart people relate to this in lots of different ways our inner voice can change So when I think back to my university experience, when I started to have a couple of really bold psychic moments, in a way, my inner voice or my inner mental clarity was kind of like a crazy frat party. There was loud music. There were lots of voices. The way that I spoke to myself on the inside was very critical. I wasn't necessarily present. There was a lot of noise. So at that time, I think my intuition needed to be really dialed up to get a message through to me. So I would have this super clairvoyant vision of something going on and say, oh, that must be happening. Let me look into it. Or I would hear something and it would turn out to be true later. And fast forward many decades, now my mind and my inner world is no longer this crazy frat party. (laughs) Take the example for what it is. But it's more of a calm sanctuary. So when our inner world has evolved into being a different sort of a place, the way our subtle senses and ways of knowing communicate with us and the way that we receive it naturally changes. And so the way that I've experienced my psychic senses has really changed into what's called claircognizance, mm-hmm. where you just know. Yeah. And so instead of having something show up, as you described, when you were envisioning the trip with Andres and you could see the billboard in your mind saying trip, like go on a trip, mm-hmm. the place you're in now is different. And so the practice that I would, would invite you to explore and I would invite our audience to explore is to look at what are the ways of knowing that are available to you right now what does it feel like as you move through your day you know how do you recognize in your body when something is a yes what does it feel like you can think of times even in the time that you were being of service offering coaching to clients i'm sure there were so many magical moments and moments of alignment what did that feel like to you how did you recognize it? And, and when we look at those kinds of examples, that to me is sort of like the trail of breadcrumbs back to your intuition.
0: Yeah, that's a really great piece of guidance. And what I like about that is it keeps the person very present to their in-the-moment experience experience versus having to create some kind of plan. Because when you're in that phase where you are at that inflection point and you don't know mm-hmm. what's going to happen or how you're going to evolve, actually being in this moment, how do I feel right now? What does my body need right now? How is it in response to whatever outside stimuli is happening? That's a very powerful ability to get in back into the present moment. So
1: I, I like that. I will definitely use that. I'm glad. And, you know, one other thing that can be a complementary tool to that, is writing. Mm. And what I love about writing is writing doesn't need to be something magical or abstract or divine. We can simply sit at a computer or with a journal and a pen and start to put down on paper whatever is on our mind and whatever we are feeling. I do believe that when we invite writing in as a practice... And sometimes that practice actually becomes available when we're going through times of whether it's difficulty or whether it's feeling like we're, we're in that deep surrender and not sure what's coming next, sort of as you described in this new chapter of life. I really do feel like there can be an opening for something more sacred to come through. Mm. I
0: really, it's, divine timing that you share that (laughs) (laughs) because we're speaking on a Wednesday and on Sunday, I felt very called to do that for the first time in ages, like over a year. And and it's the morning pages practice, very simple, three pages. And I felt, I think it's almost like a detox for the mind. That's how I, I, when I've used it in the past, just whatever's there, it doesn't even make sense Until it starts to get like, you can see already the little nugget here and there. But really, it's just that I wake up with a head full of thoughts and words. And I forgot what a powerful practice that is. And I I literally am three days back into doing it again and really grateful that that's available to me.
1: It's a powerful practice and it's not religious. It's not explicitly spiritual. The Morning Pages practice is a practice of writing. Now, in the world of intuitive development and psychic development, there's a practice called automatic writing, Mm -hmm. and automatic writing can sometimes open up through having a regular writing practice, like doing something like morning pages, and automatic writing is basically a tool for accessing your psychic senses, and so it's essentially a form of stream of consciousness writing where information starts to come through that is guidance for your life, specific details or wisdom, insights. And so again, I just teach from my own experience that for me, automatic writing is actually one of the most powerful tools that I use to channel information before I do client sessions. And so the fact that you're in this practice again of journaling and doing your morning pages, you know, whether it's to do a bit of a brain dump so that you know these things aren't stuck floating around your mind as you're opening up your day, or if it actually evolves into a creative project or some kind of a message that you need to hear that you are putting down on paper that has meaning for you. I think there's a lot of power in that, that yeah. it can be really generative.
0: And in my p- specific practice, at least by three days into it, it's a very non-spiritual in the sense that at this stage, I find myself in a completely different role in life, one that I hadn't planned for, like I'd planned for my career growth or even the countries I wanted to move to and experience. So I wanted to get to know this version of me. And it's actually a very practice is what I'm finding where, like, what do I want? Mm-hmm. And it's a real privilege to be able to ask yourself that question without a thousand responsibilities. And it's a sp- maybe a short season of my life. And so I'm trying to use it in that way where who do you want to be? How do you want to serve? How do you want to navigate this next decade? Because I imagine in the next decade, there'll be this thought again. I won't be the same person. I'll be in a different life stage again. So I'll probably have different hopes and dreams that are going to come online at that stage. And as this one is beginning in this new life and this new country and a new marriage, I, who? do I want to be through this? And who is the woman who was here who was not the woman living in Toronto or the one who was living in London 10 years before that? So I share that because I don't know, other than this writing practice, many other ways to get to know yourself. Mm -hmm. And I found that for me to actually be able to hear my intuition, I need to hear myself again.
1: Yes. The trust is in sitting down and writing and getting to know yourself. All you need to do is show up. Yeah. And allow yourself to bear witness to whatever is true for you in that moment. Yeah,
0: that's I love that. And as you were talking I was thinking about, you know, a different era of my life. This was 2016. I was working in a big agency, 70 plus hour weeks, and at that time my practice was to quiet my mind. I was very into meditating because it was the only moment that I didn't have to think. <laughs> um and that fell away because now I almost want to hear what the thoughts more (laughs) yes
1: you're um, turning up the volume (laughs) yeah
0: exactly and so just as you were talking I realized wow this really is how intuition changes how our voice changes through the different eras of our life we we live many lifetimes within our one lifetime
1: absolutely the invitation is to embrace that continuous evolution Mm. and to not feel bound to whoever it was that we were before. The same way that we shouldn't feel bound yeah. to, oh my gosh, I had this vivid psychic vision. And I thought that things would always come to me through visions. Mm-hmm. And now it's so quiet and I'm just feeling my body. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so much intuitive knowledge comes to us through our bodies. Yeah. So intuition is always evolving, in my opinion and in my experience. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I'm just noticing in my own body as you're saying that, wow, all that resistance of what is, is where the suffering is coming from. Not, not what is it's the, it's my decision that it needs to be a certain way. And it's such a beautiful and gentle reminder that we, we get to also be in collaboration versus be in resistance to what life is presenting to us. Absolutely. One of my blessings of being in a more isolated physical environment is I've been very cognizant about seeking out other stories different mm. from my own to connect me to them.
1: It's our it's our humanity. It's yeah. what brings us
0: together. Yeah, but that's what's important about this podcast and what you're sharing. This topic of intuition is still, taboo to a degree on the mainstream. So knowing that a person who comes from a corporate environment or a person that is woo in quotations (laughs) for those who can't see me, it's actually, it's really important to know that because I am human, I have an intuitive ability. I might not call it that. I might call it my gut instinct. I certainly did 20 years ago, but that we all have it. And the exploration of that is actually what makes us more human. I just wanted to share that because it's it's important the work that you're doing to bring to the mainstream the fact that we all have this access.
1: Thank you. Thank you. And I 100% agree if we're open to it we can tap into that sense. And one thing I like to say I joke a lot with my husband Dan because We have very different sort of orientations. And yet I actually think he's one of the most intuitive people I know. But we were chatting and I said to him, think about a lion out in nature. The lion can arrive in a place and smell the air and know that the zebra was there 30 minutes earlier. And if as a human, I showed up in a place and I sniffed the air and I said, Vanessa was here 30 minutes earlier. Even though I didn't have any other evidence, people would say, how did you know that? It's crazy. Or, wow, you're magical. And yet in reality, it is a physical sense that serves the lion's survival. Yeah, And I think for humanity, our well-being, our continuous evolution and development to evolve toward being even better, even more loving beings, is that we can... Not create a dichotomy of, well, this is our human experience, and like woo woo stuff is just some other thing far away, but to actually say, developing my intuition is connecting with an innate sense in my being that's available to us that we use in partnership with our reasoning skills, that we use in partnership with our life experience and our logical minds and our critical thinking. These aren't separate things. It's actually an integrated whole way of being that if we can allow ourselves to see it for what it is and to embrace it, bring us into a fuller state of presence and awareness to then live and design and enjoy hopefully our lives yeah that's it it's it's just like you said with the
0: line it's tuning into the channel that we all have access to that antenna and mm-hmm. it is a practice to tune into it but it was always there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: well Vanessa it's been such a pleasure talking with you and your story is truly so encouraging and inspiring and i think you have illuminated for our audience to what what does it look like to tap into your intuition in different chapters of life and also how do we come back when we go through difficult times or we go through major transitions so i'm really really grateful that we could spend this time today and that you've been so open and and vulnerable and and really brought us along with you to this new opportunity, this open time and space that you're in right now, and to trust and allow that whatever is coming is going to be magnificent, I have no doubt. Yeah, thank you. I think
0: it's important to know that we don't always have the answers, right? So mm-hmm. I'm, I feel very blessed that I can share the work in progress And that's been a learned experience, too, that you get to be vulnerable for this. It's not perfect. I don't know the answer. We don't always see the messy in between. We see the finished product and the shiny package. And a lot of us are going through a version of this messy in between. So I hope that that inspires someone else on their journey as well to know that we are all humans of value, regardless of where we are on our particular inner and outer journeys. 100%.
1: Thank you. Thank you. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content and having online discussions with the intuitively aligned podcast community. You can also find me through Instagram at Rebecca, yes, that's Rebecca without an A on the end, or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lynn. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.